as we kick off this new series, uh, as I uh, referenced earlier, our base text will be Joel's prophecy of the coming of the Holy Spirit. This prophecy was fulfilled, uh, if you're familiar with the New Testament and the book of Acts, it was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. Uh, when Peter preached the first gospel sermon uh, to those who had gathered in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Uh, And so we're going to read this text kind of as our base text each and every week for the next four weeks, and then we're going to springboard into a question. We're going to ask a question each week. Uh, Earlier this year, where did this series come from? Just a little bit of background. Earlier this year, if you'll remember, uh, the beginning part of 2022, it's crazy to think like we're in the final three months of 2022. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? So earlier this year, we, we kicked off the year preaching through our core values as a church. And there was four core values that I preached on that were a church that's gospel-centered, uh, spirit-empowered, which is the, the sermon that I preached that really kind of stirred within my heart a desire to do uh, a larger series on uh, the power of the spirit. So spirit-empowered, mission-minded, and member-driven. Those were the four core values we preached on earlier this year. As I studied for the sermon on being spirit-empowered, being a spirit-empowered church, I came across uh, a book that I've read a few times this year. I love uh, Pastor Francis Chan, read most of his books, listen to a lot of his sermons through like the podcast app. They just kind of fire me up. Uh, He does a great job of of convicting you uh, in a nutshell, kind of making you feel like garbage a little bit and then building you back up through the gospel. So that's uh, Chan's gifting. So read his book, Forgotten God. I actually recommended it when I preached that sermon. So I'd recommend again uh, for you guys, if you haven't read that book, grab it. It's an easy read, like 150 pages. Uh, Chan is just quick hitting throughout the book. And so you just absorb a lot of information. I think some of our men actually read it for a Sunday school class that we had uh, right after I recommended it. So what does this book focus on? What does it mean, Forgotten God? What is he getting at? He's talking about the church's neglect of teaching, understanding, and walking with uh, the, the member of the Trinity that we know as the Holy Spirit, that he's the, the forgotten God, the forgotten aspect of the Godhead. We believe that God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Reading this book left an impression on me, and, and I made a mental note that I wanted to dig deeper into the work of the Spirit within us in these ways, personally and within the church as a whole. Uh, in a nutshell, I think we can all agree that we are missing the mark and lack understanding of the Spirit's role in our lives. Uh, and this is a major, major issue, a major problem in the life of believers and also the greater church. And so with that in mind, we read from Joel 2, verses 28 to 29. God's word says this, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, says your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days, I will pour out my spirit. This is the word of the Lord. My wife's favorite TV show is called Shark Tank. Do you guys ever watch Shark Tank? I've watched more episodes than I care to remember, to be honest with you. Uh, Every evening, if there's not some sort of sporting event on, we love to watch sports. It's usually going to be an old rerun of Shark Tank. For those who've never watched Shark Tank, 
The show pits startup companies and entrepreneurs in front of four to five wealthy investors who each vie to invest their own personal money, supposedly, in these fledgling companies or ideas. And a question that's often asked of, of the inventor or the entrepreneur that comes before these, these four to five investors uh, pitching the idea is this. This is what they ask. What problem, what problem does the product solve? Okay, what problem does your, your company fix or the product solve? And the question that I hear each time we watch Shark Tank, that question reminded me of this series. What problem are we trying to solve? What's the point of preaching on God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit? What problem are we trying to solve? What course are we correcting? What misunderstanding needs guidance? And so instead of a main idea, we have a problem that we're dealing with this morning. And that the problem is this, the church has tragically neglected the Holy Spirit. The church has tragically neglected the Holy Spirit. The problem is many of our churches are, are void of the Spirit, or a true understanding of the Spirit, and putting that understanding into practice in our daily lives. Or if not void of the Spirit have abused the gifts of the Spirit to the point where they no longer reflect biblical teaching, kind of have both ends of the spectrum represented. And when I say the church, I'm meaning specifically in our country, in our part of the world. There's a beautiful movements of the Spirit going on in other places around the globe. But the American church, I think this is a diagnosis of the American church, we see kind of these two extremes. Churches that are void of the Spirit, they just don't acknowledge Him, He's not moving in their churches, or churches that are abusing the gifts of the Spirit and elevating some gifts over others, over and above what biblical teaching gives us. And that's unfortunate, wouldn't we agree? That's unfortunate that that's occurring. And one of our, our points from the last sermon in, we just finished a series in the prophet Habakkuk, we, we came to this conclusion, I think, that we all desire to have revival amongst the people of God. Wouldn't we agree with that? We desire to see uh, the church revived and, f- and for life to burst forth. And we concluded within that uh, last sermon that revival begins with this, with prayer, confession, and repentance, and also this. And on God's end, it comes through a powerful movement of the Holy Spirit. We see this in, in the earliest days of the church, which just so happens to be the fulfillment of our base text, Joel chapter 2, looking now to Acts chapter 2, just to give you a little bit of background of what has occurred. So in Acts chapter, chapter 2, Jesus has now gone to heaven. He's ascended to heaven, but before he ascended to heaven, he promised the disciples something. He said that they would receive his Holy Spirit. Okay? And Jesus told them to wait until this would happen, and then to go out, Okay, and proclaim the gospel in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And he said, to the ends of the earth. He says, wait, wait for my spirit to come upon you. And then, so the disciples now gathered together back in this house, and they're in this room, and it says this in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived. Now, Pentecost was a Jewish festival, which would have drawn uh, hundreds of thousands of, of Jews to Jerusalem. And it says, they, moving on in the text, they, that is the disciples, were all together there in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven 
a sound like a, a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, get this picture. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And here's in, this is the important part. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the result of that was this, and, and began to speak in other tongues, likely, I would say that was other languages. Why is that important? Because this is a festival going on in Jerusalem that would have drawn Jewish people from that had been spread out all throughout the Roman Empire, who at this point now were speaking different languages. They're now coming back and converging on Jerusalem for this festival, and following this outpouring of, of the Spirit, Uh, the disciples began to proclaim the gospel. And because of the power of the Spirit, these people were understanding the gospel in their own tongue, in their own language. Isn't that amazing? Finishing that reading, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Because of the power of the Spirit, people heard the gospel. And if I, if I finish reading in chapter 2, we're going to spend a lot of time uh, in that chapter in the next few weeks. It says that thousands were saved. Why? Because of obedience to the word of the Lord through proclaiming the gospel, waiting on the Spirit to move, and then working that out in power. Now, I'm not trying uh, as a pastor to invoke some sort of emotional experience at this church, but rather to do this, to recapture what God has graciously poured out on his people. This is a gift from the Lord that he's given us his spirit. I pray that, that once again, the church will not neglect the work of the spirit and will seek to understand this, his empowering. And this is what the spirit does. Christ pointing work in our lives. That's what the Spirit does. He points us to Jesus. He's not seeking to call attention to himself. He's seeking to point us to the Father and the Son that we may glorify him. Sinclair Ferguson, he's a theologian. He diagnoses the neglect of the Spirit in this way, in this quote. He says, For while his work has been recognized, the Spirit himself remains to many Christians an anonymous, faceless aspect of the divine being. The truth is we just don't know much about the Holy Spirit. How then do we move from this anonymous, faceless divine being to begin to understand this person of the Godhead, right? Just like you would in getting to know somebody. Who are you? That's the question we ask. Who are you, Holy Spirit? That brings us to our question this morning. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Another dose of truth from a a different theologian, Wayne Grudem. He says this, the, the Holy Spirit is now the primary manifestation of the presence of the Trinity that is God among us. It's the main way now in this present time that God engages with his people is through his Holy Spirit. Do we grasp this, right? Do we understand that God's Spirit is engaging with us? You see, we, we often focus our preaching and teaching ministry on the plan of the Father brought about through the obedience of the Son, Jesus, and then we have a tendency to just kind of stop right there. If we are truly, as Paul instructs us, to walk in step with God the Spirit, grow as followers of Jesus, and see the church impact the world. I want to see the church impact the world, don't you? See the church impact the world. We have to understand who the Spirit is. 
Because he's, as, as Grudem alluded to, he is the primary way that God is made known in this present time. Do you want to know God? I do. Then we must gr- uh, get to know his Holy Spirit. As we, as we seek to understand and know the Holy Spirit more, we're going to begin this week with kind of a bird's eye view. So what, birds fly high above, they can see everything. So we're, we're pulling ourselves out and kind of looking at the overarching ideas that we draw out from Scripture that tell us about the Holy Spirit. And then in the coming weeks, we're going to zero in and progress down and get closer and closer into his, his involvement in our personal life and our personal holiness. So our first point this morning is this. Simply put, the Holy Spirit is God. In case you didn't know that, the Holy Spirit is God. I want you to imagine if you could hear his voice, he would say this, I am God. I am God. says this in, in the first part of Joel 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward. We'll get to that statement a little bit later. says that I will pour out whose spirit? My spirit on all flesh And we know in Scripture, in Acts chapter 2, that this passage has been fulfilled in the pouring out of the Spirit on Pentecost. Now, the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force to beckon and call in times of need. I feel like that's part of our tragic neglect, is we just don't understand how we work with the Spirit and what He does. He's not an ethereal and emotional experience when hands are lifted high in a beautiful moment of praise. He is this. He's the very manifestation of God among us, and hear this, and in us. The prophet Joel stated that God would pour out his spirit, his breath, and movement on all flesh. And this this pouring out is confirmed in the New Testament book of Acts. The apostle Peter upon personally receiving the filling of God's Holy Spirit, preached the gospel in Acts chapter 2 with boldness. Let me remind you, as I often do when we talk about Peter, what kind of man this, uh, this Peter was before he received filling with the Holy Spirit. Okay, Peter oftentimes got ahead of himself. He said dumb stuff. He chopped some dude's ear off at the wrong time. Then when asked if he knew Jesus, when Jesus, like on a human level, needed his friend the most, he denied Jesus how many times? Three times. Okay? That's Peter. Before the filling with the Spirit. But now, Peter, filled with the Spirit, in Acts chapter 2, proclaims the gospel with boldness. And as I said earlier, thousands were saved. The word of God says that they were cut to the heart and they said, what do we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, all of you, and receive the gift of what? The Holy Spirit. It's cool. This morning, we're going to get to baptize one of our young ones and we're going to hear that phrase. Peter, because of the power of the Spirit within him, preaches the gospel with boldness. And this happened. He didn't just proclaim the gospel, but the Spirit of the Lord did this, moved upon the hearers, right? 
And again, they were, it cut them to the heart. That's what the Spirit does. God has, and I would say presently, is moving through His Holy Spirit. And just as the Father and the Son are one and also distinct, the Spirit is one with the Godhead. We believe God is three in one. Yet the Spirit is also personal and distinct. Okay, I'm not getting into uh, the, the doctrine of the Trinity this morning because it's, it's a mystery of God. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? Paul, though, in 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6, he, he kind of pulls back the curtain a little bit for us. Speaking to the equipping of the local church with spiritual gifts to share, he reiterates the distinctiveness of the Spirit, but also the unity of the Godhead. Listen to these words he uses here. It says, now there are varieties of gifts. Notice this, but the what? Same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the, notice the language, same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the what? Same God who empowers them all and everyone. Paul helps us to to make this important link to the Holy Spirit and the unity of the Spirit to the Godhead declaring very clearly for us that the Holy Spirit is in fact God. He's not an impersonal force or mystical power to be summoned in times of need. Rather, He is God. And being God, He then carries forth all the attributes of God the Father. The Spirit is unchanging, powerful. He's present. He's all-knowing. He is also merciful and just and righteous and holy, just to name a few. Now, Hearing that, pause and reflect on this for just a moment. The Spirit is God, okay? And God has chosen now with, the Spirit is God with all those attributes we've just listed out. And God has chosen now to make Himself known through the power and movement of His Spirit. Hear this, and this very Spirit, when we are united with the Father through belief in His Son, Jesus, fills us, lives in us. Us. That's amazing. Simply put, Christian, God lives within you. Man, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I want to like take off and launch through the ceiling. Say this with me. God lives within me. Beautiful truth. Point number two, the Holy Spirit is eternal. The Holy Spirit is eternal. I'm going to say this again. I want you to hear, if we could hear the Holy Spirit's voice, he would say, I am eternal. Where do we get this from? We're going to book in Old Testament, New Testament. Genesis 1, verses 1 to 2. So we're going all the way back to the beginning. It says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Do you notice there that nothing created God? There's nothing there that created God. It just says, in the beginning, God's already, He's existed for eternity. And God created the heavens and the earth. It says the earth was without form and void, 
and darkness was over the face of the deep. Notice this. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That statement. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In Hebrew, it would have, it would have said, Ruach Elohim. Now, it was a little bit easier to say that first word in the first service because I still had kind of that morning phlegm to get on that last H. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit has existed for all of eternity. He is here at, at the beginning of creation. The word Elohim here itself has kind of a plural nature to it and thus points to the triunity of God. Even back here in the Old Testament, we can see kind of peeking through the cracks that, that God is three in one. The Holy Spirit, again, I'm going to keep saying this, it's not just some force that comes about after the ascension of Jesus. Rather, He, notice I said He, not it, He has always been at work. We see the Spirit move upon people all throughout the Old and New Testament. Now, I had this bright idea a few weeks ago as I was preparing for uh, this new series. I pulled out my concordance. You guys know what a concordance is? Okay, it's where you, you can look up a word and it shows you everywhere that word's listed. And I came in, it was a Monday morning, and I pulled out my concordance and I said, I'm going to read every single verse in the Bible where Spirit is listed. And then I opened it up and there was like... A thousand of them, and I said, I'm not going to read every single verse in the Bible where spirits listed. It's everywhere. All throughout the pages of Scripture, we see spirit, 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 spirit. Why do I share this with you? Because God's Holy Spirit is everywhere throughout Scripture, not just the New Testament. He's there at the beginning, hovering above the face of the waters. He's there in, in Exodus when God calls his people to build this tabernacle and it says the spirit came upon men to use their hands, right? And gifted them uh, through his Holy Spirit to build this beautiful tabernacle for God to dwell among his people. What was it that brought those men to, to uh, create and mold and shave and carve wood? It was the spirit of God empowering them. Look at this statement from Jesus. John 14, 16 to 7. Man, that is such a beautiful chapter of Scripture. It says, and I will ask the Father. He's talking to his disciples. It says, and I will ask the Father, and, and he will give you another helper. Okay, notice it's, it's capitalized. The, the original Greek would have been this word paraclete. We say helper, but that doesn't even come close to encompassing the full meaning of what this word is. Some of these words, I wish the translators would just leave them original because they, we just can't capture the meaning with, with our English words. It would take a number of words to capture the meaning of what Jesus is getting at. The, the Spirit's role in our life. He says this, I will give you another helper. Hear this. This is where we're getting back to eternity. To be with you how long? Forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. He says, you know Him. 
for he dwells with you. And then here's a promise that was fulfilled again in Acts chapter 2. And he says, and will be where? In you. Christian, do you get this? The Spirit of God, through faith and belief in the Son of God, lives in us. Lastly, point number three. The Holy Spirit is personal. It's personal. We could hear His voice. He would say, I am personal. Jesus teaches and foretells of the Helper coming upon His disciples later in John chapter 14, verses 25 to 26. He says this, These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, it's that word again, paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Family, this was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit has come. It's why his, his disciples, under the inspiration of the Spirit, could write the rest of this New Testament that we have. He's going to teach us all things. He taught them all things to pass along to us, and the Spirit helps us as we read His Word to understand. He says, and to bring to your remembrance, remembrance is so important in Scripture, that we would remember what has occurred. What, are we, what is he talking about, remembrance? Remembrance of all that I have said to you. All the promises that Jesus set forth. To remember Christ. That's what the Helper, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He helps us to remember the work of Christ. To teach, it says to teach you all things. Like that's personal ministry. That's what you have, Christian, inside of you. It's an amazing statement. The question is, do you, do you grasp what Jesus is getting at here? Right, this, is kind of, this is where it gets personal, right? No pun intended. We, we've dug into some broad categories of the Spirit. Most of us here are probably churched you, like, yeah, I know this stuff. And, and if you don't, it's the reason why we begin with basic categories of understanding the Spirit if we want to grow in relationship with Him. Right? The Spirit's not just some clone of God. He's distinct and personal. Sometimes we can think of Him as kind of like this just erratic character. Like We really don't understand Him. It reminded me a little bit of, uh, there was a movie that I loved in the mid-90s. Not too many people have seen it. Who here likes Michael Keaton? I like Michael Keaton. I think he's a good actor. Okay, Michael Keaton made this crazy movie in the mid-90s called Multiplicity. Who here has seen Multiplicity? Probably a few of you. Wasn't super popular. Okay, what, in, in that movie, Michael Keaton's a, he's a, like a contractor. He, he builds houses. He's in construction, and he's super, super busy. And he's neglecting his family. His, his family's putting a lot of demands on his life. And he's finding, like, I don't have enough time uh, to meet their needs and meet the needs of my job. And really, the point of it was, he really wants to just go golfing. So he finds this scientist that can clone him. 
and he's cloned. He, he, he clones himself twice. He clones himself one that can work at the job site. So he kind of got macho Michael Keaton at the work site. And then you have uh, Michael Keaton that helps around the house, can cook and clean. And uh, he helps his wife so that the main character, the real Michael Keaton, can just go out and golf all the time. Well, the funny thing is, is one of the clones decides he also needs a helper and clones himself. And he makes what they call number four. Do you guys remember number four? And sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit kind of like number four. You see, number four didn't come out right because he was a clone of a clone. He was kind of crazy and erratic. He wasn't too smart. They didn't know what to expect from him. He was always getting into stuff. And oftentimes in the local church, this is how we treat the Spirit. It's just like, I just don't know what to do with him. I don't know what category to put him in. I'm scared because I went to this one church one time where they were talking all sorts of nonsense and craziness and there was people rolling around the floor. So I'm just going to avoid the Holy Spirit altogether. Okay, And that is a neglect of this important person of God. We can't treat the Spirit like number four for multiplicity. He's a member of the Godhead. He is God. He is eternal and he's personal. He wants to have a relationship with you. Again, some of us may think this is just well-known repeat material, and I want to ask you this question, and I hope you feel some conviction this morning. If this is just repeat material, then why do you keep living the same way? If you know the Spirit's within you, then why do you live the same way like He doesn't matter? Why do the same sins haunt you again and again and haunt me again and again because I've neglected His work in my life? Again, circling to, the, to the, the larger church, why is the church in America, by and large, not having movements of revival? Why, when COVID hit, is there more empty seats afterwards? Are we going to ask the questions? You know why we don't? Because we don't want to know the answer. What, what's the old phrase? Ignorance is bliss. Well, if I just don't ask, then I don't have to deal with it. If we ask the question, then we have to deal with what the diagnosis is, is that we've neglected the role of the Spirit in the church. We want a little dose so we can feel good, and then I can go out and get my lunch in the afternoon, but don't change my life because that's too much work. Oh, this is going to sound mean. I just, I'm not going to pastor a church like that. I want to see the Spirit of God move. Who's with me? I want to see the world change through the church. And I believe it can happen. I want to see revival in, in this land that we live in. I want to see God change our culture. I want to see the Spirit move. Notice what Joel said. Going back. This is going to get tough right here. He says these, these words at the beginning of verse 28. He says, and it shall come to pass afterward. What is he talking about? It's almost like he's saying therefore, right? Whenever we come across a therefore, it makes us back up and look at what's been said before. So I've always, as I've read Acts chapter 2, I've just really focused on uh, when this section of Scripture is is quoted in Acts chapter 2 as, as a fulfillment of the Spirit being poured out on, on the day of Pentecost. 
And then I went back and was reading through Joel 2 this last week, and I noticed, and it shall come to pass afterwards. And then I'm investigating the text. I'm like, well, what came before this that he's saying it shall come to pass afterwards? I'm not going to make you read all of Joel this morning. So we ask the question, after what? Here's what goes on in a nutshell right before this statement in Joel. Starting out, locusts come and they just devour the land. So what's the summary of that? You have a time of calamity and trial and struggle. And then the response of God's people is this. You see a movement of prayer, confession, and repentance. You see what I'm getting at here? Calamity, struggle, trial, response, prayer, confession, repentance. It sounds a lot like the sermon we preached last week in Habakkuk. And then you see, this is beautiful, a desire from God start to well up in this prophecy of Joel. God's desire for His glory to shine through His people because of His faithfulness to them. And then this prophecy comes that the Lord will pour out His Holy Spirit. Family, what do we do if we want to see a movement of the Spirit of God? As we go through seasons of calamity and trial and struggle, my prayer is that the church will come forth like God's people we see in Joel and that we would pray together, that we would confess our sins together and that we would repent and that we would pray that the Lord would shine His glory, His fame through a pouring out of the Spirit upon the church. That again, I'm going to use this word, that we would see the church revived. We would see revival among the people of God, I'm going to use this word personal, as more and more people gain a personal relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That's how we receive the Holy Spirit, that a personal relationship with Jesus will result in the personal Holy Spirit of God coming upon us. And so we respond to this message now. If, if you are not a follower of Jesus, I urge you this morning, make a decision to follow Jesus. You may ask the question, why? Why do I need to follow Jesus? Because at the beginning, I, I, I quoted Genesis 1.1, at the be, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created this earth in beauty and glory to reflect his majesty. It was perfect. In the first humans, he gave gave a command to them and they disobeyed. And sin was introduced into the creation. And and each and every subsequent human being is we're fallen in our sin. It's kind of our default position. But God from eternity past, has a redemptive plan, and his plan is fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus. Jesus came. This is what he did. He came and he lived perfectly in our place, fully obedient to the law of God, fully obedient to the will of God, which was that he would go to the cross, that Jesus would go to the cross, that he, he would die on the cross because of our sin and our 
shame that the wrath of God was poured out on his perfect son, that he shed his blood and Jesus died in our place. And on the third day, Jesus raised from the dead. And he later ascended to heaven, promising to pour out his Holy Spirit on everyone who would place their faith and trust in that work. It's God's redemptive plan. Why do we need to have a relationship with Jesus? Because we, apart from him, we are fallen. We don't measure up. Make a decision to follow Jesus. If you know Christ, make a decision to do this. To know the Spirit of God more. Maybe go back to that concordance and look up that word spirit and say, I'm going to read every verse in the Bible that says spirit. I'm going to try, okay? Lastly, what do you do? Family, I want to urge you to pray for a movement of the, of the Spirit of God among God's people here in America. We're seeing it all around the globe. We're seeing it in China and Iran. Did you know that? I mean, the church is exploding in those areas. Why? Because the Spirit of God is moving. May it happen here also that we would pray that the Spirit of God would move among His people. Amen.